Hey, good morning, second service. How are you? Amen. Great to have you out from the main floor to the balcony today. Good to see you and I uh, want to welcome you. And what a great time of worship together, wasn't it today? As we lift up and proclaim, he is our resurrected king. Amen. Um, let's, uh, if you will, let's go to the book of Jonah today in the Old Testament. And we are starting in on a new series called Relentless. Can you say that word with me? Relentless. That we're going to see that God loves a man so much and loves lost people so much that he persistently chases after him. Um, this book of Jonah is amazing. This is four short chapters that is concise. It's not a word wasted, but packs a powerful punch. As, as we look in God's word these next couple of weeks as we start this new series together. How many of you basically know the story of Jonah? Can I see your hands across this place? Yes, there's a lot of people that do, some don't, and we'll hope to help out with that. You pretty much maybe have heard the story before. A lot of people do. The story of a guy who doesn't uh, do what God wants him to do. God puts him in the belly of a big fish. He lights a candle. The whale throws up on the shore. He gets to be a real boy for the rest of his life. No, that's Pinocchio. That's something screwed up inside of there. And, but I'm going to try to help set the record straight through God's word. And uh, we're going to look at this today. We're looking at a story that a lot of people just kind of consider it to be maybe just a good kid's story, a Sunday school story. But the truth is, this is a story of a reluctant prophet named Jonah and more importantly, about a relentless God that, if we allow it, will really speak and it, it let the Holy Spirit of God allow to minister to our lives today and the next couple of weeks ahead. You know, when I say the word relentless, the definition is really it's constant, it's continual, it's never-ending, it is unstoppable. And that's what we want to talk about in this series, and specifically related to the relentless love of God, how he comes after us, and as we look today in another different form as well. Jonah chapter one, as we begin, as you look at this, it will set the context. Here's what scripture says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and this is what God said. God said, go, can you say that word go with me? Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Go and preach against this because the city, he said, because its wickedness has come up before me. In verse 3, we see Jonah's unfortunate response. It says that Jonah did what? Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. It said immediately. I mean, he didn't even, he didn't even take a break or a breath. It's like immediately he got up and he headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa where he found a ship. And settled in for their paying the fare. He went aboard, sailed for Tarshish. He said to flee from the Lord. He was the original man on the run. He's the man on the run. And we're looking at this and the meaning behind these words. And if you're looking at it and you're taking notes, is this Jonah, he's been called by many as the reluctant prophet. He was a prophet of God, but he was very reluctant. And uh, he often did what was right in, in God's sight, but in this part of the story, we're going to find that he did not obey God at all. His name, if you're taking notes, actually means dove. So he is called the dove or the peaceful one who ended up disobeying God and is known as the reluctant prophet. 
And uh, you see the word Amittai in there. That is his father. He was the son of Amittai. Amittai actually means truth, which is a great name of a prophet to be the son of truth, isn't it? He is the son of truth. And Nineveh was that city that he was commanded to go and preach. Uh, and he, God told him to do this. Now, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Nineveh was Israel's absolute foremost worst enemy, and Israel hated the Ninevites, and you'll see why as we go into the study. But I think this raises a question that I just want to start off today. Have you ever deliberately run from God? I would probably say that we have at least once, if not many times in our life, that we have run from God. We have run from him, and maybe there's someone here this morning you are running from God right now, but you're here, and you're in a great place, though. And so here's the problem, and it's really larger than you may think, is you and I can't run from God until we have first heard from God. I mean, we can't run from God unless we've first heard from God. And what I'm saying is this, you know if you're running from the Lord, and the Lord knows you know, right? And so if you see the problem, then I believe we'd all agree we must find our way back, as we see in the story, to the will of God, to what God wants for us. Now, Jonah's name is connected with the word dove, which means and signifies a messenger. His is a messenger. His father's name was Amittai, which means my truth. You put the two words together and we find that Jonah by name was to be a messenger of truth. You know, doves, they, they're, they're messengers. You know, that you've got to release them to let them fly. And so you see that in his name. You know, one of the greatest issues in our world today, though these are big issues, is not sin or sickness or disease or even politics. One of the greatest issues of our time revolves around Christians not living up to their name. That there is a big disconnect. But I hope you understand is Many believers or non-believers, I should say, probably look at the church and say, well, they're supposed to be Christ-like, but they're not that way at all. And there is a huge disconnect that is going on, not only in our nation, but in our world. You look at verse 1 again as we do, we start to look at the story, and I believe that God will show us that we all have a little bit of Jonah in us. In Jonah 1.1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Good news is, is that I want you to know, is that the word of the Lord will come to you today. God is a God who loves to speak to us. So as I'm speaking to you now, the Holy Spirit is also speaking to you. That's what he does best. And he comes and he ministers. And that we're hearing the word of the Lord printed on page or inside of our smartphones or whatever it may be. But the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to each of our hearts individually as well if we are listening. Do you believe that? That he is speaking. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. He's a speaking God. Throughout history, God speaks in so many different ways. God has often spoken with an audible voice, spoken through his prophets, spoken through circumstances, spoken through the voice of the Holy Spirit. His word, it's described, self-described as living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. That his word, it comes and that pierces us. It's truth that is living and it will transform us if we allow it to do so. 
The word of the Lord will come to you, and God will speak to some of you in a very specific word. His word will be to change something so that you would move in a different direction and to be obedient to what he says to you. You and I have the choice whether we will obey it or not. You can do what God wants you to do and be obedient to his word, or you can do what Jonah did and said, hey, I don't want to be obedient to you. And the word of the Lord will come. That's great news. The challenging news for many of us is this, is when God comes to you, he will often ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. How many of you found that to be true in your life? I mean, yeah, there is a real dangerous side to this, that when God comes and he speaks to us, he will ask us many times to do the things that we do not want to do to do some things that he wants us to do. And so there's a lot of things that go into that, but, but, but how many of you know that a lot of times we really believe we know what is best for our lives, don't we? We try to convince ourselves that we know that this way is better, this route is the best direction, this person is the best person for me, and God is leading us and speaking to us through his word to do something totally different than that. A lot of times, we feel we know what is best. And we don't want to obey when the word of the Lord comes to us. This was the context of Jonah. And we see this in verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh. God said, I want you to preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And you say, well, he uses the word great. Like, it's all good? No, great means terrible. This is one of the many places on scripture that where he uses the word great, he's saying this, this city is terrible. It's increasingly and incredibly wicked before me, but I want you to go and I want you to preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Well, okay, Jonah's a prophet and that's what he does. He preaches God's word. So why didn't he just obey this very simple assignment? Well, when you understand the history of Nineveh, or the Syrian Empire, you understand a little more why he hated them. This empire, Syria, of which Nineveh was the capital city, whenever it was rumored that Assyrians would be attacking somebody, they were so brutal in the way that they handled the captives. They would torture them. They were totally destructive against enemy armies. Occasionally, it was rumored that when the Assyrians were going to attack, sometimes a whole town of people would just commit suicide because they would rather die than experience what was coming. That's how much they feared the Assyrian Empire. They, 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 that's how much they hated them. So let me tell you a little bit, and you can read this in history books. This is out there, and this is what they would do. This Assyrian army, they would go in, and they would take over a city, and they would kill all these people, they were surviving women, and, and they, would, they would take them, they would torture children. They would take husbands who were prisoners of war, the men, they would take them outside the city and they would skin them alive. And once they were skinned, they would bury them in the desert sand up to their necks. You could imagine the pain. You imagine. Then they would take their tongues and they would pull their tongues out of their mouth and drive a stake through their tongues in the middle of the desert, and all through the night, they would make them listen to Barbara Streisand. I'm just, or Bieber, I'm not sure, one or the other. Just kidding, that last part I'm lying about, but, but the rest of it's true. Well, you can start imagining the horror 
of what was going on from this Assyrian army. And then once they were dead, I know you think, wow, this seems really harsh. And they would behead them and they'd take the heads of all the prisoners of war and they would make a pyramid of heads outside the city to say to the rest of the world, this is a city that we have conquered. And here, you can see it right here. Okay, when you, you start to get a glimpse of that, maybe a, 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 you'll have a little more mercy for Jonah. When he said, I don't want to go there, you know, it was more than just, I don't want to go there. But there's something more behind it. You know, whether he was affected by a relative or a friend or a friend or somebody who had actually experienced it, he despised them. God said, I want you to do something. And in his mind, he had total legitimate reasons why he didn't want to obey God. And maybe you can relate today. The word of the Lord will come to you and you will hear specifically from God that this is what I should do. And in your mind, you may think, okay, I understand, God, that that's what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Perhaps you can relate. Maybe somebody has wronged you, hurt you, or, or someone that you love, and the word of the Lord comes to you and tells you to forgive them, to forgive as you've been forgiven, and you look and go, I don't want to. They don't deserve it. I don't feel like forgiving them. I know that's what you want me to do, God, but I'm not, I don't want to do it. I know this is what you've told me to do, God. But in my mind, it just doesn't make sense. And I like my things more than I want to obey you, God, and I simply don't want to do it. And sometimes we feel we have legitimate reasons for not responding to God, but God says, listen, you've got a choice. A lot of people say, well, I know it's what God says, but I don't do this. I don't want to. I don't care what God says. I want to do this. It feels good. It makes me feel loved. I don't care what God says. But there is a Jonah in all of us somewhere, sometime, in all of our lives. Know this, that if you're presently sinning against the Lord, you know, there's kind of a season of time in which it appears that you might get away with it. And it's kind of like the husband, who, drunk husband, snuck up the stairs quietly, looked in the bathroom mirror and bandaged the bumps and bruises he'd received in a fight earlier that night. And he then proceeded to climb into bed, smiling at the thought that, you know, his wife probably will never find out. And when morning came, he opened his eyes and there stood his wife. You were drunk last night, weren't you? No, honey. Well, if you weren't, then who put all the band-aids on the bathroom mirror? Sometimes we think we're, you know, you know, well, I thought I was supposed to do that, you know, or we rationalize, I'll get to it later, I'll do it when I have time, and know this, d d delayed obedience is really disobedience. It's kind of like the parenting technique of teaching your kids, you know, do this, do this, do this, come on, do this. Don't make me come over there. Don't make me come back there. I told you to do this. I'm serious now. I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half, right? Okay, what are we doing? We're teaching delayed obedience, right? Don't run out in the street. Don't run out in the street. One, Two, splat. I mean, that's bad news. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Okay, we just need to know this. 
We've all been in a physical storm. We've, we've, we've been a part of it. Maybe uh, you've been in a bad one, but you see the lightning, and people have said that you know how close a storm is by counting the seconds between seeing the lightning and hearing the thunder. It's kind of the lag time. The mark of maturity is what is called lag time, lag time. And, and you can tell the maturity of a person between the distance of the command of God and the obedience. And if the distance is short, they're mature. If the distance is long, it's immaturity. You know, I think we've all felt that from the time of when God says, I want you to do this, to the time we actually do it sometimes is a long delay. We know the command of God comes. I don't want to do it, though. I, I don't. I don't. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. And the word of the Lord will come to you. He'll often tell you to do something that you don't want to do. And Jonah said, I don't want to go there. I don't want to have anything to do with these people. They make me angry. Remember this in thought number two. God will speak to you, and he may tell you to do something you don't want to do, but whenever God does speak, number two, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong or the opposite direction, right? You can always find something. You can always find a ship moving in the wrong direction. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you say, hey, I want to obey God. I want to do what he has called me to do. And all of a sudden, your buddy comes up and says, hey, don't do that way. Don't do this. Don't do that. Let's go back to what we used to be doing. Hey, let's go back to the old life that we used to be in. And watch how it happens here with Jonah. God says, I want you to preach to the Ninevites. Verse 3, Scripture says, but Jonah, Jonah, what? Ran away from the Lord and then headed for Tarshish. Then he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. Now, why did he sail there? Because he wanted to. He wanted to run from God. What did God say? Go east to Nineveh. And Jonah said, uh, no, 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 I'm gonna go west to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles away from the target destination. That's how far it was, 2,500 miles one commentary said that it would take about a year to sail from where he was to where he was supposed to go. That's a lot of running. Some of you right now, you can relate. You may be sitting next to someone who thinks you're absolutely on track, but you know in your heart that you have been running and you're a long way from God's desire. Key thought is I want you to understand this is that every time that you run away from God, you will eventually run into Him. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Say yes. That every time you try to run away from God, His commands, you try to run away from what He's trying to do in your life, that you will always run into Him eventually. There is the relentless word of the Lord that comes to our lives. There is the relentless love of the Lord. And he says, here's what I want you to do. And somewhere along the way, months or weeks or years back, you said, no, no, no. No, God, I know that's what you want, but I don't want to obey you. And you have been on the run, and you think that you have gotten away with it. And you need to understand that you can run for a while, but you cannot run forever. You cannot outrun God. You cannot run forever because it will catch up to you. Maybe you're, you say, well, I, I'm, not as, I'm not on the run, but maybe today you are drifting. You're drifting away from who God is. Our family, we love to go to the beach and spend time on the beach. I remember we were playing in 
the water for a long time. I looked up, and you know, where we had laid our towels, we couldn't see anymore. The building that we were once in front of, well, where is that? That was kind of a landmark. And, you know, now I'm like, where are we? It's like I can't see the point of reference anymore. We just hadn't realized just how far we had drifted. Some of you may be able to relate because maybe months or years ago you were really close to God. And you know what I'm talking about. You're praying and God answers your prayer. And you're like, wow. That was more than a coincidence. That was God speaking to my heart. You heard his word and you opened your heart and and you're like, man, that was for me. God was speaking to me and God is speaking to you. And then it's like many times like, wow, am I the only person in the room? God, you're speaking to me. And then you have these divine appointments that God sets up in your life. And then what happens is you begin to pull away from the Lord. And how many of you know that it happens very slowly? How many of you know the enemy never works out in the open but is always subversive? It is always underneath the surface that he is working to cause you and I to drift from our foundation, to pull us away from the desired will of God. So, Maybe you say, I'm not running as much as I'm drifting from him today. And that is a real reality. When we disobey the commands of God intentionally or unintentionally, we are drifting. We're separating ourselves from him. And so that really is the Jonah in all of us. But we have to know this. The word of the Lord will come to you because God's love is relentless. We sang about it today. How many of you are thankful for the relentless love of God? That he comes to us and finds us even in our desperate situations, even in our hopeless conditions, even in the mess that we have made for our own life. His love is relentless to us and keeps coming to us because that is who God is. It may not be what you want to hear, but when you run, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. Some of you are on the run right now. The third thought When you're on the run doing the wrong thing, God may send a storm to grab your attention. We see this. Some of you might go, oh, that's what it was. Now I know what's going on. God might send a storm to grab your attention. Verse 4, Jonah was on the run. Scripture says, then the Lord, he sent a great what? Wind and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now this was a ship full of sailors. They were transporting cargo. This is a very strong ship. But this was such a great wind. We're talking here, and the scripture is saying, you can only imagine what was going on. The screams, help us, what are we going to do? Uh, We've never seen a storm like this, so much so that the integrity of the ship was at risk. You know, when we run from God, I want you to understand this, and God wants us to know, we go down. We go down. We go down because you see the progression of Jonah being on the top of the ship to going down to the hull of the ship, going down to the belly of the ship. Know this, that the storm that God sent wasn't designed for retribution, but for restoration in him. Amen? That the storm that God has sent to your life is not there to destroy you, Though we are in the storm and we think, this is going to destroy me, 
And that's, we think that many times, but really what we have to realize, when God is the one who sends the storm, it is always for restoration in our hearts and in our lives. Well, these guys, the sailors are like, hey, whose fault is this? What is going on? And they drew straws, and they did a little lottery thing, and they said, well, it's Jonah's fault. And they're like, who are you, and what did you do? Verse 8 reveals the answer. Jonah answered and said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I what? And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. This is the first words out of This is who I am. Really, Jonah? At this point in your life, are you worshiping the Lord God of heaven? He said, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea, who made the land, and this terrified them. They asked, well, what have you done? He's running from the Lord. You know God, and the storm is happening? What? This seems crazy. And the storm blows up, and all of a sudden, he starts bringing up, you know, the God talk. Maybe we do need God. If you ask me, you know, what are some of the, 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 the biggest problems in American church today? I don't know a lot of them. But, but um, there are many, but beyond a shadow of a doubt, what I would say is one of the problems is we've got a generation of people who call themselves follower of Christ but do not live like it at all. And we're wondering why our neighbors won't come to Christ. Well, it might be because they're looking at us and saying, really? You serve the one true God? And so there's this disconnect. And the church has gotten these titles amongst the many things and labels. And I'm not saying they're all right, but many of them have been put on us because they're real deal like, The church hates homosexuals. The church is only filled with judgmental people. That is not the Jesus of the Bible that I serve. And some of you are like, well, I don't really care what the world thinks. Well, we better because there's a lost world that's dying without Jesus. We better care. We better care. We better care what people think. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're going to get it all right. I understand that. You've heard it said before, the church is known for more than what for more for what we oppose than what we're for. Come on. That we're just against this, 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 and and we just keep spewing this stuff out. Well, what are we for? Right? We're that our cities and that our churches will become followers of Jesus Christ and that we would share the love of Christ to a world that is lost. Listen, our belief in Christ has to be a high priority even over the politics of our land. It's come to a cultural Christianity, a Christianity in name only. It's a consumeristic religion. Well, as long as God does good things for me, I'm like, I go to church every now and then or something. I may bless the meal, but there's nothing in the daily life that resembles the teaching of Jesus in Scripture. Oh, yeah, I worship God. Do you? 
And just because we're in church doesn't mean that we worship God. In the New Testament, you see worship was many things, but it also was doing the right thing and sharing with others in need too. Worship is everything about us. Jonah finally realizes, it's my fault. It's, it's me. You ever heard that song, it's me, oh, me, oh, me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer? Yeah. Well, some of you are going to recognize right now, we're going to think, well, what I was doing in my, my private rebellion, it is not hurting anybody. Um, if it hadn't hurt somebody yet, it's going to tomorrow. And Jonah realized, this is my fault. This is my fault. I'm hurting innocent people by my disobedience. And he finally owns up to it. And you can see in verse 12, he says, okay, guys, I'm sorry. Pick me up. Throw me in the sea, and it's going to become calm. This storm, it's my fault, he said. This great storm has come upon you. So the sailors, they're going to have mercy on him because they really care about him. They're like, no, 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 listen. We know how to take care of this. We're going to start throwing cargo overboard. We're sailors. We know how to take care of this. We're going to lighten the load. We're going to throw cargo off. And, you know, this is our livelihood. So we know what we're doing. We're going to get rid of all those things so we can save you. And guess what? Did that work? Let's row back to shore. Row, row, row your boat, you know. And what happens is, is many times in our rowing, what I'm saying, our personal good things, Works. We try hard many times working on our own problems because we're afraid of the decision we know that we are going to have to make in the end. Okay, that didn't work either. And finally it's like, okay, we're all going to die. And I guess we need to throw you off. And so God forgive us, we're sorry. We don't want to do this to Jonah. Jonah, we're sorry. They throw him overboard and the sea goes calm. And something unbelievably bad in our human mind happens to Jonah and if you know the story he got swallowed by a big fish and so many people are just caught up a whale and it could never God relentlessly supplied a big fish thought number four Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed Verse 15, 16, 17 tells the story. They took Jonah. They threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to the Lord. In verse 17, you look at this, and here's the phrase, but the Lord provided a great fish. What did he do? God provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The Lord provided the fish. That's how much God cares about us. We think it's a catastrophe. We think it's over. But God is in the saving business, and he is relentless about you. He's relentless about me. And you're thinking, man, this is the worst nightmare I could ever happen in my life I could think of. I mean, you may be facing something financially, spiritually, you know, physically, relationally, and you're like, I'm done, it's over. And God may say, okay, now do I have your attention? Whatever it is, do I have your attention now? And what I'm gonna say is, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you that everything that bad happens is God causing your life, because 
I, I don't believe that's true. But I do believe with everything in me, there are times when God may cause or God may allow what we consider our worst nightmare to fully get our attention, right? So the word of the Lord will come to you, and you and I have a choice whether to obey or disobey it. We know that when God speaks to us, we have a choice. We can either go his way or find something going in the opposite direction. And if you do not obey, he will send a storm to grab your attention. If that doesn't get it, he may allow you to face your worst nightmare. And when he does understand this, it's because he loves you relentlessly and he is going after you. Uh, we've got a choice. We can keep running or we can come back to him. My prayer and God's prayer is that you would come back. Newscaster Paul Harvey, um, I might be dating myself, but at noon growing up, I did listen to Paul Harvey. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I know some of the younger generation, Paul who, but Paul Harvey told a remarkable story of God's providential care over thousands of allied prisoners during World War II, many of whom were Christians. And one of America's mighty bombers took off from the island of Guam, headed for Kokura, Japan, with a deadly cargo. And because clouds covered the target area, the sleek B-29 circled for nearly an hour until its fuel supply reached the danger point. The captain and his crew, frustrated because they were right over the primary target, yet not even able to fulfill their mission, finally decided they had better go for the second target. Changing course, they found that the sky was clear and the command was given, bombs away. The B-29 headed for its home base. Sometime later, an officer received some startling information from military intelligence. Just one week before that bombing mission, the Japanese had transferred one of their largest concentrations of captured Americans to the city of Kokura. Upon reading this, the officer exclaimed, thank God for that protecting cloud. If the city hadn't been hidden from the bomber, it would have been destroyed and thousands of American boys would have died. How many of you know this? that God's ways are behind the scenes. You know that? But he moves all the scenes in which he is behind. And we have to learn this, and we have to, as hard as it is for us to let go, is we have to learn this, and we have to let him work. Jonah wanted Nineveh destroyed, but God knew it wasn't time. It's not time yet. There's a great reminder in Luke 15, Jesus told a story. He said there was a father who had two sons. And one of them said, Dad, I don't want to do it your way. I'm done with this. Give me my stuff. I'm going to go out on my own. And he did. And he woke up and realized this is not working. It seems right, but it's not working. And he wondered, would my father have me back? Would he receive me? And what he didn't realize is the father was on the edge of town daily, waiting, hoping, praying, seeking, and searching for him. 
one day will my son come back. 2,000 years ago, God loved you so much, he sent his son, Jesus, the sinless son of God, who we know from Jonah was in a belly of a fish for three days. Jesus died for our sins, was in the ground dead for three days. He is risen from the dead. Now Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, and he's praying for you by name right now. you because he knows who you are and he knows where you're at Jesus is praying for you and you may think today I've been too bad I've done too many wrong things and all God wants you to do is that you would turn from your own way and turn from your sin and that you would turn toward him and today that you would surrender your whole life your whole heart to him in Jesus name let's pray Father we ask that your Holy Spirit would draw us back some of you that recognize today the fact that you have been on the run. Others, maybe that you've been drifting and you recognize it. It's, you said, you know, it's time for me to come back. It's time for me to repent. Maybe today your prayer would be, you know, God, renew the joy of my salvation, that God, you would accept me back and forgive me for my disobedience. I'm coming back to you. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of playing the game. I'm tired of coming and drifting away from you over and over and over again. And as you've heard the word of the Lord today, you say, you know what, that's me and I don't want to run anymore and I'm tired of drifting because I know the truth in my heart. And God says, listen, I am God that gives you a second chance today and I love you. If I can say to you today, can I ask you, is that you that you would say today, I'm coming back to you Heavenly Father, that is my prayer. Can I see your hand across this place? Can I see it? Thank you for those many hands. Those many hands I see in the balcony, down on the main level, that God is speaking to you. I'm coming back. I'm not going to drift any longer. I'm not going to run any longer, but I'm come to give my whole heart to the Lord. You can put your hands down. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And many times there's the Jonah in us, Lord. Lord, we do run, we do drift, but you are an amazing heavenly father that is waiting for us because you care for us, you love us. Just take this moment, this holy moment, and just pray, just pray sincerely. Make your seats a holy altar before God, that God, you're saying, I'm gonna come back to you right now in your own words. I'm coming back to you. That's the most important thing. You're saying to the Lord, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Thank you for your relentless love. Sorry for my disobedience. I apologize that I've drifted from you. God, thank you. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. 
God, thank you for forgiving us, for not taking you seriously and your word seriously. Forgive us for the times that we as a church have not acted upon your word, acted upon what you've said. But Lord, may we be your children that are marked with maturity, that when you say it, we will do it. We will do it, Lord. So stir our hearts once again, Lord. Stir our hearts for your word. That our ears are open to your voice, to hear you, not only hear, but to be doers of your word today. Father, we thank you for it, and we thank you for your relentless love and your relentless mercy to our lives. We pray this in your mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet today. Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks for those that said, Lord, I'm coming to you. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I find you. Hallelujah. So let's be people today that leave this place that say, well, I've heard the Lord speak, but it's been a while. I'd encourage you to go back to that word that God has said to you and that you would do it. Do it. Do that word. Do what he says and be obedient to what God is saying to you. And let's be people that hear his word and do his word today, this week, in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need help past a certain point in your life today. We're here to pray with you. God bless you and have a wonderful week. And Lord, we'll be back next week for part two in chapter two in this amazing series, Relentless. God bless.